Good morning, One Chapel family, all of our friends from Lake Travis, Austin, Kyle, and my friends all the way up north in Liberty Hill. And those of you that are joining us online, welcome. My name is Andrew Fortner. I am the campus pastor at One Chapel, Liberty Hill. It is so good to have you with us this morning. Are you the type of person when traveling like to get there as fast as you can, go the quickest, fastest route? Or are you the person that likes to take the back roads, the scenic route, to find some treasures along the way? Well, personally, I'm kind of more of a get there fast kind of person, but I do know across this great country of ours, there are a lot of interesting and odd things on the back roads like this. If you're ever in Amarillo off of old Route 66, you can find this. It's not a junkyard. It's actually there on purpose. It's a work of art. It's the Cadillac Ranch. Or if you're near Marfa, Texas, off of Highway 80, you can find the Prada store. Why? Well, I guess West Texas cowboys like to spend $3,000 on handbags just like all the rest of us. And if you're in the middle of Ohio, you can find this. A sky rise that looks like a picnic basket. I don't know about you, it just makes me really hungry. Or here's a favorite for the kids. If you're in South Dakota near Badlands National Park, you'll find this, the 80-foot-tall Waldrug Dinosaur. Or my personal favorite, if you're in southwest Missouri, not too far from Joplin, near the Oklahoma line, you can find this on a back road. It's the ghost light. Yes, a glowing orb that you can only see at certain times of the day. Is it a strange meteorological phenomenon or... Is it, as legend has it, the light of two lost lovers still searching for each other after hundreds of years? Well, in this series, From Here to There, The Songs of the Ascents, it's all about the journey. It's all about the travel. It's all about finding the back roads. And most specifically, it's about the songs that we sing along the way. Just as the Hebrews would do as they would travel to Jerusalem to worship, up to a higher place, singing different songs. We are on a journey together and we have been singing some songs together as well. It is our songs for the journey. It is our mixtape for our road trip. And we certainly have been singing many songs. We've talked about repentance. We've talked about providence, worship, service, help, security, joy, and work. And today we're gonna talk about happiness. So let's jump right in and go to Psalm 128. And I'm going to be reading from the message translation. It says this, All you who fear God, how blessed you are. How happily you walk on his smooth, straight roads. You work hard and deserve all you've got coming. Enjoy the blessing, revel in the goodness. Your wife will bear children as a vine bears grapes. Your household lush as a vineyard. The children around your table as fresh and promising as young olive shoots. Stand in awe of God's yes. Oh, how he blesses the one who fears God. Enjoy the good life in Jerusalem every day of your life and enjoy your grandchildren. Peace to Israel. Now I should say at this point, that word blessing in the English can also be translated as happy. And certainly we could define blessed as God's favor and protection and happy as a feeling or showing pleasure or contentment having a sense of confidence in or satisfaction 
with. Now, I don't know about you, but I love this psalm. I like it. Your family sitting around the table, you're living the good life, peace. Smooth roads, blessed. This truly is the song that I think all of us would love to sing. We want to sing. It is happy, happy, happy. It is the feel-good song of the summer for sure. Well, here's a question for you. What's the song that you're singing right now? Does it sound anything like Psalm 128? Well, perhaps maybe it is happy. Maybe the song you're singing right now is like Pharrell Williams' 2013 feel-good hit, Happy. You know, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof because I'm happy. Or maybe the song you're singing is more like Hank Williams' 1949 hit, I'm so lonesome I could cry. (laughs) Well, certainly some of us are singing a happy tune, but others of us are really reciting a pleasant poem. And certainly there are some that are listening to this this morning that really you'd just be honest and say, I can't sing at all. I have nothing that even sounds like happy within me. So let's be real. Life is rough. It's not always smooth. And we've all been in a place where there is no song at all in our heart. And you know what? It is okay to have that. It's okay to be real. But what I'd love to ask you this morning is for your standard tune. What is it? What is your theme song, the general tune that would come from your life? What song is it that you sing? You know, it is kind of a, a fun question to ask people, what's your theme song? In fact, this week uh, I did this with the Liberty Hill staff and I asked them, all right, if there was a TV show about your life, what would the theme song be? And boy, you think you know somebody. You're shocked at some of the answers that you get. It was quite hilarious. In fact, in your small group this week, that would be a great icebreaker question to say, what is your theme song? You know, I thought about that for me and, and it took me a little while, but I think I came up with what I think my theme song is. See, I think my theme song is the soundtrack to the 1980s action hit, The Delta Force. You know, the Chuck Norris high action drama. Of course, I tell people that and they look at me and they say, no, you're kind of more like the Leave it to Beaver theme song. And I kind of have to say, well, yeah, that's probably right. But hey, I like Leave It to Beaver too, and that's great. But what is your theme song? What is the song that you're singing right now? Well, I want to give you three big ideas about happiness. The first one is this, is I believe that as Christ followers, the song of happiness should be one of our standard tunes. You see, G.K. Chesterton, an early 20th century novelist and Christian apologist said this, joy, which is the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Now, I have known unbelievers who think that the idea of happiness and Christianity cannot coexist. They think that church is full of really tight people who are perfect, who have no fun. And they think that the Christian life is actually impossible and it's simply too hard. Now, I've also known believers 
who actually think that happiness is somehow wrong, especially if you use the word blessed. In fact, they think it's kind of like heresy. I had a friend that grew up hating church primarily because he had a really mean Sunday school teacher. And he tells the story of how he went to Sunday school and the teacher was getting on to him for misbehaving. And she, she said, why do you misbehave? Do you want to go to heaven when you grow up? And he looked at her and said, honestly, I don't want to, if you're going to be there. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the experience of a lot of people. But the truth is this, being a Christian is the most happy way to live. It's going your own way that's terrifying. Why is that? Because following Christ is what we're created for. We're made to live in this world as his children. Jesus himself showed us that we can live a life full of faith with exuberance and purpose here, even while we're on the earth. And we learn as we walk further in our discipleship process, we discover that without Jesus, life is really impossible. It's not Christians who have it hard. It's actually the non-Christians. It's not those living away from God who are the most happy. It's actually believers. You see, don't forget that blessing and happiness is a main theme of the Bible. In Genesis, after creating humans, it says that God blessed them. And to Abraham, he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. In fact, to the 12 tribes of Israel, they were each given a special blessing that was tied to their identity. And we see this idea of blessing and happiness all throughout the Bible. In fact, in Revelations, there are seven declarations of blessing. In fact, it even says at the end, blessed is he who reads the words that's in this book. Now, the way to the blessed life is narrow because there's only one way, but it's not impossible and it's not too difficult. It's the broad road that seems easy at first. This actually is the path that is hard. Well, I've got some great news for you. No matter what your tune is right now, no matter what your song, you can change your tune. Your theme song can be a song that's happy. You can do, as it says in this psalm, you can sing how blessed I am. How happily I walk on his smooth, straight road. I enjoy the blessing. I revel in the goodness. Well, maybe you're saying right now, how can you speak of anything that has to do with happy? We're in the middle of a global pandemic. Well, listen, I'm not making light of what is a very serious situation for sure. But the second thing I want you to understand, the second big idea is this, is the song of happiness does not come from what's on the outside. It doesn't come from what you see, what you feel, or what you experience. It comes from who is on the inside. Look, your song is all about perspective. And everything changes when your perspective changes. Let me illustrate it this way. One of my favorite movies is Disney Pixar's Cars. You know, the movie about Lightning McQueen, the young race car who 
easily wins at everything. He's boastful. He's proud. He has no respect for anyone, and he has no respect for any type of a work ethic. He's self-centered, but he's super talented. Well, one day on the way to a race, he rolls out of his, ho- his holler, and he winds up in a town that is in the middle of nowhere, off the path, and he's completely lost, and he hates it. You see, he's used to the fast lane and the spotlight, but he finds himself in Radiator Springs, this town that is in the slow lane and only has one light, and he hates it. He's not happy. His tune is not a great one. Well, he does make some friends in the town, and he meets a beautiful young Portia, and they're going on a ride one day, and he asks her, why are you making this God-forsaken place your town. And she explains, well, it's quite simple. I fell in love. And disappointed, he says, oh, let me guess, a Corvette? And she says, no, I fell in love with this. And they drive up to this beautiful, most magnificent scenery, exquisitely painted sky, uh, maces reaching up out of the, the, the desert, the most beautiful created thing ever imaginable and lightning's McQueen's perspective changes and he thinks wow this is the most amazing place I've ever been in and then he begins to question her why don't more people come to see this and Sally explains it's because whenever they put in the brand new highway the straight path the path that was off to the side the less traveled path the slower path was forgotten and the beautiful blessing of the scenery was forgotten as well. Well, Lightning McQueen's perspective changes. His eyes are opened and he sings a better tune, a happier tune. You see, your song changes when your perspective changes. And your perspective changes when your heart changes. And your heart changes when Christ changes you. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 says it like this. The message that points to Christ on the cross seems like sheer silliness to those hell-bent on destruction. But for those on the way of salvation, it makes perfect sense. This is the way God works. And most powerfully, as it turns out, it's written, I'll turn conventional wisdom on its head. I'll expose so-called experts and crackpots. You see, your tune is not so happy if you have the wrong perspective. If you have the perspective of, say, the tourist, you know, the one who's just on the pleasure trip, the ones whose happiness is only contingent upon happenings. You see, the tourist, when the feel-good is gone, they're sunk. You know, unfortunately, even people that believe in God can fall into this ditch a little bit. If only I have this, then I will be happy. That's not the way it works. You see, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders had this problem because their happiness, their piousness was based on doings. It was based on happenings. It was based on their flesh. If you had the perspective of the tourist, you can't have a happy tune. Or you can't have a happy tune if you have the perspective of the citizen. The citizen, the one that's grounded in the here and now. Because you see, when the here and now is shaken, the citizen is shaken. The zealots in Jesus' day were just like this. You see, they loved Jesus when they thought that he could change their world. 
and their view right now. But when he began to talk about spiritual things, the inner life, the kingdom of heaven, they were gone because it wasn't just about the here and now. Same thing with the rich young ruler in the Bible. He had a desire to follow Christ, but he had too much investment in the treasure of this world and he missed the real blessing. You can't sing a song of happiness truly from either one of these perspectives because they are bound by the natural senses. Can I just be really honest with you in this crazy time that we're living? If your perspective is only what you're getting from watching the news, there's no way you can sing a happy song because your perspective is the perspective of the tourist or the citizen. Maybe you just need to turn it off. Maybe you just need to fast it and turn your perspective on something different. The perspective of the pilgrim, what we should have. You know, the person that understands that this world is not my home. I'm rooted in the one from whom true joy, blessing, and happiness actually comes. You know, the Bible is filled with examples of pilgrims in this world. For example, Paul and Silas in Acts 16, it says they were in a pretty rough spot. They were attacked by crowds. They were stripped and beaten with rods. They were severely flogged. They were thrown into prison and had their feet put in stocks. That is not a good day. And that is no reason to sing a happy tune. However, it says in verse 25, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You see, even with what you see around you is not working right. You can sing when you have God inside of you. The perspective, what's around you doesn't matter. All of the disciples lived the life of pilgrims. Peter and Andrew were both crucified. Thomas was speared. James was stoned to death, but yet we see from their writings, they had a song of happiness that you would never think that that kind of thing happened to them. Stephen is another great example in Acts chapter seven. In verse 59, it says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Certainly the perspective of one who was living as a pilgrim. All of these were in awful situations in the natural, but in the spiritual, they were singing. As I mentioned, the apostle Paul, he said in Philippians in this very well-known verse, but it comes in the context of great suffering. It says in Philippians 4, 11, it says, I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You see, it's an inner strength and the happiness that comes with it. It comes from the very spirit of the living God inside of us. You know, it's actually all right there in that Psalm 128. You can see it. In verse one, it says, all who fear God, how blessed you are. And in verse four, it says, oh, how blessed is the one who fears God. Now, 
that word fear can be a little confusing. Don't take it the wrong way. It's not the kind of fear that is an unpleasant emotion caused by something that is dangerous, painful, or threatening. It's not that kind of fear. It's the fear that means reverence, awe, wonder, amazement, or high regard. In that context, we can understand it. Who is blessed? The one who fears God. The one who is in awe and wonder of him, who is amazed by him. In other words, the one that can sing is the one that actually knows him. And my final big idea here about happiness is this, is you can sing a happy song when you know the one who first sang that song over you. Jeremiah 1, 5 says this, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. This is God talking. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. And in Psalm 139, 13, it says, for you were created, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know, in closing, I just want to say this. One of the most well-known sermons of Jesus, which is found in Matthew chapter five, he talks about this spiritual song change, the spiritual tune change. And he says it like this. He gives this list of things that you are blessed if you have these. And when you hear him, you're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? These don't sound like blessing. They don't sound like happy, but with the right perspective, with him living on the inside of us, it totally makes sense. This is how it says. It says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. What? Blessed, happy at the end of my rope? Because with less of you, there's more of God in his rule. Jesus said, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. That doesn't sound like blessed, but from his perspective, you then can be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more or no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. He said, you're blessed when you worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. In the moment of being careful, you'll find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when you commit to God. Your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. And then he says, not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you you to discredit him, Jesus. What it means is the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do and all heaven applauds. You see, with Christ living on the inside of us, we can sing a happy tomb. It's, it's kind of like that old hymn, his eye is on the sparrow. 
I love the words. It says, why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow and I know that he watches me. You know, I spent many, many years of my life studying music and specifically classical music and practicing and, and spending so much time in classical music is very challenging. It's difficult. Every note, every nuance, um, every dynamic is just right there on the page. And it's very, very challenging. And I can remember one time in an orchestra rehearsal, we were playing Barber's Adagio for Strings, which is a beautiful, beautiful song that you've probably heard of before. As we were playing it, the director said, okay, we're going to do something different now. I want you to turn your music upside down and I want you to look at me and we're going to play it from memory. And we all looked at each other like, we can't do that. It's impossible. We have to study the music. We have to look at it to know what to do. And he said, trust me, just do it. And what happened in the next 15 minutes was amazing. We began to play into our amazement. We began to play in a hundred young musicians for the first time in their life. Didn't play from here. They played from their heart. A song came out that we didn't even know was possible. And it was magical. I think that's the same for us. There is a song that we can sing that God wants to sing through us, to sing from his heart into ours. First John 4, 17 says it like this, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. And in verse 19, it says, we though are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. Is the song of happiness inside of you? If it's not, may I suggest that you take the easy road. Allow Christ's love to dwell inside of you. Then, and only then, can you begin to sing the song of happiness. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you what you have done for us. You have truly made it so that we can sing a new song. We can change our tune, one from the view of the world or our flesh, but one that is from heaven that sees everything differently. And Lord, we all have rough days. We all have rough moments. In fact, some of us even now are going through some rough times and we lift all those things up to you. But we ask you to sing a new song through us. We want to pray specifically for those that may want to change their tune for the very first time. Maybe the song of happiness is one that they don't know. Lord, we pray for that person that's listening right now to these words. What they feel is the Holy Spirit 
showing them that God is real and wants to sing through them and has a plan that is wonderful, that is good, that is a life of blessing and happiness. We pray for them and we welcome them into the family. In the name of Christ, we pray, amen.